Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this morning. Through it all, you've been good to us. Lord, we pray just as we are about to share your word. We pray that, Lord, you use us as minstrels so that, Lord, we will minister unto your people. We pray that, Lord, you prepare our hearts for this word. And we pray that, Lord, we will not leave you the same. Amen. Right, so I'm about to continue the theme that we've been uh, preaching. I think Natalie preached uh, last week about love life, uh, love God, and love people. So today I'm continuing the theme, uh, love life. And my verse is uh, uh, the good life, that is uh, John 10, 10, part B. He said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. So I'm going to ask a question, right? Uh, don't ask aloud. Out loud, please. Yeah. So the question is, what is that one thing in your life that you tell yourself will make you happy? All right. So we are bombarded every day with many uh, messages of what we supposedly need to experience the good life. Right. Go televisions, radio, movie, internet, billboard, a whole lot is telling us how. We should live life and what the good life is. We see the newest cookware whilst we are having dinner at a friend's house and we want it. We see the name brand shoes or purses that our co-workers has or that amazing new appliance that is advertised on the sales channel or the television that we can buy for an amazing low price. And then there's that trick. Buy two for the price of one. And we all want it. So everything is telling us that, look, the more we have, the better our life will be. All right? And we are saddened because we do not have them. The new definition of need drives us to want more, buy more, covert more, so that we can be happy. Our desires and ways of life has been so influenced by the culture around us that our desire of the world's version of the good life will result the same way. It will bring brokenness and regret. Then Jesus said, talking about in John 10.10, that a thief comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is what the current world is leading us to because we we always want more of everything. We don't have time in this busy, busy life. These times, we have wandered away from the good life of God that is available to all believers. We often dream of the future when life will be better, believing that the grass is always greener on the other side until you realize that you have to water them. We believe that once we are richer, more popular, more loved, more comfortable, more pain-free, or more entertained, we will have the good life. But that is not true. In the Christian life, the true riches are at our fingertips every day. They are right in front of us. The truly priceless, precious things of life are always within our reach. The word break, this word break discontent in us 
we love, we long for deep things like love, joy, and peace. We try to take hold of them through money, materialism, popularity, pleasure, and ease of life. But God's words already promised these blessed things in life. It is all found in Christ. We don't have to bow to the world method to experience the true goodness of life, of the good life. In John 10, 10 again, Jesus said, the thief comes only to kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and life in abundance. This is a description of the battle of our hearts and our minds. Satan has come to destroy life and Christ has come to save it. Christ has come to offer us the good life that no longer depends on money, comforts, success, or our current issues that we are going in. As we trust, forgive, serve, and give our lives away for the sake of others, we find the depth and goodness of life that God intends for us. Only in him we will ever truly contended for we were made for him. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he responded to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that is in Matthew 22, 37 to 39. This is our starting point as we seek the good life. We love God, then we are empowered to love our neighbors. And other self-centered goals of life will prove to be empty and vain. In Matthew 5, Jesus teaches his followers how to pray. And in verse 11, he uses the phrase, give us, our, give, give us to stay our daily lives. And the question is, what, is, what does the daily Sorry, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And the question that I'm asking everybody is, what is your daily bread today? For somebody who's going through health issues, his daily bread might be God will give him a, a healing. Somebody who's lost a job, his daily bread is that God will give him a job. For somebody who's going through issues or who's lost someone, what his daily bread will be, that God will give him a comfort. right? So everybody, daily bread is different as we go through this life. All right, so, sorry. All right, so this request for daily bread is also a call to life of contentment and, the, and uh, as simplicity. A life of contentment that only requests the basic need instead of our covertness wants. Needs that are essential to allow us to live a life that serves God and others. How often are our hearts drawn away by the desire for the things of the world? And we are living in a world that we are driven by uh, uh, social media, uh, on the internet, on the YouTube, that is telling us that whatever life that we've got is not what will make us happy but we always want more and more. And Jesus 
And God is telling us different. Love God and love your neighbor as much as possible. The Apostle Paul words are helpful at this point. I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, any, in, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me. That is Philippians 4, 11 to 13. What is Jesus saying as he preaches his disciples, as he teaches his disciples about prayer in Matthew 16? To all those in need, he is not just the bread or the food, but the sustainer of life. Paul echoed this word in Philippians 4.19. And may and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. Another characteristic that accompanies a person who is experienced the good, experiencing the good life of God is gratitude. Would you say that you are a person of gratitude? In conclusion, as we seek to love God, and love others, our lives will take on a different direction. We will carry out selfless acts of kindness. We will generously meet the needs of others. We will forgive others who have sinned against us. We will love our enemies. We will encourage those who are broken. We will give a listening ear to, our, to the ones in need. We will submit to others. We will Apologize freely. Those acts of love that we that are first dreaded, we now enjoy. As we live out a good life in this way, we will enjoy the promises of God. We will know the provision of God as we seek Him first. We will experience the peace that passes all understanding. As we present our needs to Him in prayer, we will we will box in the joy found in his presence. We will receive his wisdom when we ask for it. We will be covered by the unconditional love of God the Father. We will rest in the freedom from sin found in Christ. This is the good life that the world cannot provide. As we walk in the good life of God, we no longer have to listen to the tempting voice of the world because we have found something better. We belong to Christ who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to his power at work within us. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, church. Um, So when I was asked to talk on this subject up on the screen behind me of love God, love others and love life, I thought, great. Love God, I love God, I can talk on that. Love others, I love others. Love Alpha, I can talk all day long on that as well. Yeah, well done Alpha team, Deb. Um, But I was asked to speak on love life. And I don't know about you, and I know everyone's different. Um, For me, this out of the three is the more challenging one. I don't know if I'm on my own there. But, um, you know, when everything is going well in life... 
it's easier to, to love life. But when we're going through difficult times, because, you know, everybody does experience those difficult times at some point in their life. And, you know, some people, as Natalie shared last week, are going through really difficult and challenging times. And we've seen that in our own church, obviously with Stephen as well. Um, and it may feel in those times like it's not possible to love life at all. Life can be so hard and so challenging. But Natalie's message last week, and if you didn't hear it, um, go and watch it on YouTube because it is fantastic. It was so encouraging because it, it is possible through her testimony, you can see that it's possible to love life even in the midst of suffering and the most difficult situations. Now, I know that God created us, that he loves us and he delights in us and he wants us to enjoy life. But thinking about this topic, there's something at the back of my mind that said, hang on a second, isn't there something in the Bible where Jesus says you're supposed to hate life or hate your life? So I thought I'd better look this up before I start speaking on this and saying, you know, love life. And there it is in Luke 14, it says this, and this is quite challenging. It says, if anyone does not hate even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And it's something very similar in John 12 too as well. So, you know, wow, that's... That's really hard to hear, but do we really need to hate our lives? What was Jesus getting at here? And I think this is really important to understand this bit. I believe what Jesus is saying here after really thinking this through is that to follow him, to follow Christ, we need to continually die to self. And that that is to suppress that sinful nature that's within us. And and this is really about um, putting others first and and loving other people. Um, It's not about having a miserable life. So Jesus isn't saying here, you know, if your life isn't miserable, then you're not a proper Christian. He's not saying that at all. God wants us to love life. And it's really clear in the Bible. And the Bible has has plenty to say on that. And the verse that stands out, and it stood out for Teddy, Natalie and myself, is John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and life to thee. Full. Right, you've all been paying attention, that's good. Okay, the book of Ecclesiastes as well has loads of quotes about loving life. And in chapter 8, here's one of them. It says, So I commend pleasure, for there is nothing good under the sun, under the sun except to eat, drink and be merry. So who doesn't like eating, drinking and being merry? I know I do. Um, but the point is that we shouldn't be chasing after those material things and after those, those kind of pleasures, earthly pleasures. God wants our focus to be on eternal things. And nothing will make you love life more than experiencing God's love. God's love is consistent where our circumstances are not. And the the author of Ecclesiastes comes to the same conclusion that that ultimately all these earthly things are actually meaningless in comparison and nothing actually compares to um, the gift of faith and having a relationship with God. So to love life, we should be seeking Jesus. Biblical joy is defined as this, a perpetual gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing and trusting Jesus. So I'll just say that again. This is biblical joy and it's defined as a perpetual or constant gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing and trusting Jesus. 
Many of you, I'm sure, will have experience with depression. And if you've never experienced it, then you're very blessed indeed. But depression and anxiety will steal your joy. And Natalie spoke last week about how cancer is that uh, thief that comes to rob, kill and destroy. And depression and anxiety will do the same thing. They will rob, kill and destroy. They are the enemy. And before becoming a Christian, I did struggle with depression and I could go down a hole for days or even longer at a time. But I found that Christ is my anchor and my safety net. And very quickly now, if I feel like I'm going down that way, it doesn't last, it's fleeting because he pulls me back again. And I've realised that that is because of two key reasons. One of them is thankfulness. And one of them is guarding my heart. So I kind of want to focus the rest of this small talk on on four practical things that can maybe help you that work for me. Um, Not just for depression, but for loving life. I found that um, these will really help you love life. And if you already love life, great. If you're not struggling with this, brilliant. But these things will help you love life even more. And this isn't a deliberate thing. I've not kind of gone out and thought, right, I want to love life, so how can I do that? And I found these kind of things. These are things that I found on my Christian journey are things that have brought that love of life. So the first one is starting your day, listing all the things that you're thankful for in prayer. So, you know, do this even during difficult times or especially in difficult times. And what I'll do when I get up in the morning and everyone's, you know, you've got your different routines, but I'll get up and I walk the dog up the road the first thing. And as soon as I get out of the front door, I take a deep breath. And like the song we sung earlier, um, I just thank God for the breath in my lungs. And, you know, I take a deep breath and live in Manchester, so maybe the air's not that fresh, but maybe up here in the hills it's a bit fresher. Um, But I just thank God for everything I can see around me. Everyone's circumstances are different, so, you know, I thank God for the things in my life that are relevant to my life, for my family, for my wife, the roof over my head, the food in in my fridge, um, my children, you know, there's so many things I can list. But then as I'm going up the road, I'm looking at everything around me and just thanking God for them. Everything around me, you know, at the moment it's supposed to be summertime, it's not really looking like it at the moment, but you know, sometimes I get up in the morning very early, half six, and it's light and there's blue sky or the sun's rising. I just thank God for that. Or, you know, I see the, the fullness of the trees or a neighbor's flower as I'm walking past it. And you, if you really start thinking about it, you look at that flower and you see the beauty in it, and you can't help but experience the goodness of God in, in kind of everything around you. And even the things, you know, like if the wheelie bins are out, you know, I thank God that my bins are cleaned every week. I, you know, I don't have to do that. There's just a million things. And again, we sung a song, A, a Thousand Reasons. And 10,000 reasons in fact. And I'm sure if we all got together and wrote them down, we'd easily think of 10,000 reasons um, that, you know, for us to praise and for us to be thankful for. Um, Does anyone drink orange juice at breakfast time? Anyone drink orange juice? Sure, there's a few of you. Does anyone have uh, apple juice? You more apple juice fans? Hand over there, yeah? Any kind of cranberry juice, grapefruit? That kind of thing. No posh people in it. Well, we are in Bolton. I think if I said this, if I did this preach down in, down in Cheshire, I think all the hands go, yeah, cranberry juice, cranberry juice. Um, well, good. I'm one of you because I'm not that posh. I have, I have orange juice in the morning. So I have a little glass of orange juice. 
But if you think about it, just stop and think what you're doing. When you take a little sip of that orange juice, I imagine that orange growing in the sunshine in somewhere warm like Spain or wherever it's come from, growing in that light, that warmth that God has given. And it just changes your focus and it gives you a thankful heart. And if you think about it, it's only the last few generations that that has even been possible. You know, we've got fridges now, for example. So in the history of man, it's only our recent generations that have been blessed that we're able to taste that orange juice in the morning. And I know this is going a bit deep, but I kind of do this in the morning. And I think there's a point is that it's easy to take things for granted. And there are so many good things if you just think about them. Um, sometimes I can feel overwhelmed by all the goodness of God when, when I think about them. Um, so I challenge you to start doing this tomorrow. You know, if you're struggling to love life, um, and they say if you do something 40 day, for 40 days, it becomes a habit. So it's a bit of a challenge. If you're struggling, or even if you're not, this is still a great thing to do. Um, just start listing the things that you're thankful for to God. Um, this isn't a silver bullet, by the way, for a cure for, for depression. Um, and, you know, you go to a doctor and, and you say you're suffering from depression. They'll never prescribe prayer to you unless you're very close to them and they're a Christian doctor. But prayer, I found, is the thing that cured my depression. It's the very thing that worked for me. So prayer and thankfulness. Um, the second thing is, and I have a little drink. It's not orange juice cookie. <laughs> Thank you, God, for my water, though. It's really nice. <laughs> so the second thing is worship. And like Ima's been saying, and this kind of follows on from, from thankfulness. And worship is, is partly an act of thankfulness. So try to spend time each day just with you and God and a song. It's part of my little morning routine, and I'll just go into a, a room on my own so I don't subject Zena to, to my singing voice. But, and I've learned over lockdown to sing really quietly, and, you know, but still be singing from the top of my voice inside my head. Um, but sometimes I don't, you know, I don't always feel like it in the morning. You know, I might have a bad morning or you're thinking about your work day ahead. But I've found that even when I do that, even when I have that time of worship... Uh, even you know and it's only four or five minutes my mood has changed by the end of it third point is and I'm glad Cookie uh, read from Psalms today um, reading the Psalms is Psalms anyone else's favorite book in the Old Testament yeah got some hands up yeah I, I just love the Psalms and David is one of the main writers of the Psalms and he's going through all sorts of trials and, you know, he starts off the psalm saying about all the difficulties he's going through and his life's in danger and his enemies are everywhere. All kinds of things he's going through, how he's let God down and things like that. And within, you know, the space of that psalm, he is singing God's praises and thanking him by the end of it. And it's very quickly when you're talking to God, things turn round in the space of a conversation with him. My fourth and the final kind of point is about uh, guarding your heart. And this is massively important. And Erin, actually, you mentioned this in your uh, talk a few weeks ago. And in Proverbs th- uh, 4, verse 3, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So God is saying to love life, you must guard your heart above all else. 
If we don't guard our hearts, we won't be able to love life. An unprotected heart can lead to anxiety and depression, and it can lead us to desire. And in the book of James, it talks about this. It says, desire can give birth to sin, which gives birth to death. So we live in an age where news is constant. And again, Teddy touched on this, and I really struggle with this one. Um, News is on tap 24 hours a day on your phone, isn't it? It's just one click away. And the news is the very worst things about what's happening in the world, unless you're listening to CBN News, a Christian perspective, and then it's it's a bit more rounded. But generally, news is all bad. Um, and, And don't get me wrong, it's important to know what's going on in the world, but it's easy now to get a bit obsessive about it and keep following that latest thing that's happening. Um, and before you know it, you know, you spent 10 minutes in a, in a blink of an eye and you think, what have I done? You know, for me, it's the war in Ukraine and it kind of feeds my anxiety and I'll, I'll just read everything about it. And I know that I shouldn't be because it's kind of feeding my anxieties, but I still kind of find myself doing it anyway. So if anyone's got any practical tips to help me, that'd be great. Um, but it really does steal, steal my joy. Um, for you, it might be other things that you need to guard against, whatever your Goliath or your giant is in your life, whether it's a toxic relationship that you really need to think about um, being in, or whether it's envy, whether it's pornography, maybe it's money obsession, or that little gambling app on your phone that you keep going to and having a look at. Maybe it's an unhealthy obsession with social media. Maybe for you, you're spending 10 minutes before you know it. Um, 10 minutes have gone looking at social media and you've filled your head with a load of stuff that's really actually no, not positive and not good for you. Um, whatever it is, we've got to guard our hearts above all else. This is what God's telling us. We've got to be conscious of these things because some things can creep up and you don't even know that it's happening. And you need to be purposeful as well. And one of the things that I do to kind of um, help me with that, you know, looking at the phone constantly is on a Sunday, I have a phone free day. Um, and I do, when I go out, I do take it with me in case the phone rings, I've got children and things like that. But when I get home, I'll put it in another room and have it on loud in case the phone rings. But it's not near me. So that temptation to just have a look when I'm, you know, when I'm not busy, just have a look at, you know, what's going on with the sport or news whatever it is that's not part of my my day on a Sunday and it actually feels great having that that break from it um so if the band would like to come up now so finally part of guarding your heart is about giving your burdens to God so if you think about imagine someone who's loving life you kind of imagine someone who's got a spring in their step but it's very hard to have a spring in your step if you're carrying a massive burden with you And in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of you maybe are carrying burdens today. um, And some of you maybe have already given your burdens over to Jesus, but you've you've picked them back up again. Um, And maybe today it is that day to to give back to Jesus that burden permanently. And I just remind you that um, to your right at the side stage at the end, there's a wonderful prayer team um, who would love to welcome you and pray with you with any difficulties that you're facing and and ask Jesus to just take those burdens from you. Okay, why don't we stand together, church?
Okay. No, God wants you to love life. But you need to take action. You can't be passive and love life. Remember that joy comes through knowing, experiencing and trusting Jesus. So prioritise time with God each day to thank him, to sing along with that worship song and to feed yourself with God's word and actively guard your hearts. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you came to give us life and life to the full. Thank you, Jesus, that you did that. Lord, I pray for people in here who may be carrying burdens and, and need them lifting, Lord. I pray that you would lift those burdens from them, Lord, and help us not to pick them back up again. Lord God, help us to guard our hearts, especially in this day and age, where there's so much trying to get in and steal our joy. Lord God, I thank you for our material blessings, but I thank you also for reminding us that we're not to chase after those material blessings and pleasures in life that are here today and gone tomorrow. Help us to focus on knowing you, to experiencing you more and trusting you more, which brings an eternal joy in the midst of all of our trials. And Father, as Teddy said, it's only through you that we'll be fully content and satisfied. The world will never satisfy us. So help us to choose that good life, the life to the full as you intended it. Amen.